Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. Welcome back to another episode of the Career Contessa podcast, your shortcut to being more fulfilled, healthy, and successful at work. I'm your host, Lauren McGoodwin, and today we're discussing a topic that can be really intimidating, how to request medical leave. Many of us think of physical health as being the only reason why you can take medical leave, but serious mental and emotional health conditions are absolutely included and something we need to talk more about. Julia Stefanides, a labor and employment lawyer, is joining us to share more about what your rights are as a worker, how to request medical leave, and what resources you'll need. Julia is also sharing her incredible health journey. And one quick disclaimer before we get into it is that this is general information provided as a courtesy to empower you at work. It's not legal advice and Julia is not and cannot be your lawyer. Julia is licensed in California and her knowledge of that state's law is limited. Please consult a lawyer in your state or country for personalized legal advice. And if you're based in California or New York, Julia can provide some great referrals to her former colleagues and friends. Those referrals are in the show notes. And now this is the Career Contessa podcast. Today, we're joined by Julia Stefanides, a labor and employment lawyer who helps people navigate health and wellness issues at work. She's also the founder of Legally Holistic. Julia is here to school us all in what exactly medical leave is and probably surprise most of us who think it's only reserved for times when you're in the hospital or something really traumatic is happening. Uh, Julia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Okay, so can you start by introducing yourself and sharing your story of medical leave? Because I know you've got a really good, interesting story. And most people would assume that when you are um, a lawyer who studies this, of course, you know all the ins and outs, but that wasn't necessarily the case. So tell us your story. It was not the case. I had to learn the very long way. So yes, thank you so much for the, the warm welcome. And yeah, just a little bit more background about me. I am a workers' rights lawyer, so I practice labor and employment law for workers, not for companies. 
Um, and I do practice in California. That's where I was educated. That's where I'm barred. So just to caveat that this is my area of expertise is California law. And at the moment, I work in-house at a labor union. Uh, before that, I worked at a firm where I represented workers in race, gender, age, and disability discrimination cases. So I have represented a lot of people with health issues, helping them get disability benefits, making sure they're able to take protected medical leave, which we'll be talking about today, and all sorts of other issues. And then in my personal life, I've struggled with my own challenging health issues, most notably chronic migraines and something called mast cell activation syndrome that no one has heard of, but that is really (laughs) debilitating and terrible. And so I started a platform to merge what my legal knowledge and what I do at work with what I've learned on my own personal health journey. It's called Legally Holistic, and it brings civil rights to the health and wellness space. Mm -hmm. And you guys, she has an amazing Instagram. So if you want to follow and get your, you know, dabs of legal advice along the way, not legally binding, but uh, the Instagram is at legally.holistic. And we'll also put this in the show notes and then your website's legallyholistic.com. So tell us your story. I mean, I know you mentioned what your condition is called, but tell us a little bit more about how you came to kind of learn about taking medical leave. Absolutely. So it actually started all about seven years ago. I started having these really strange symptoms. And before this, I had been a really healthy person, you know, very functional, healthy person. Um, And I was in law school. And, you know, towards the end of law school, I started having very strange symptoms, which they called vestibular migraines, which are basically these headaches accompanied by sensitivity to light and sound, and then also dizziness and vertigo all the time, which was really just a lot of fun. And conventional doctors just weren't able to figure out why I was having them. They could name them, but they, you know, they weren't particularly interested in like, well, what's, you know, why are you suddenly having migraines when you never have before? So they prescribed a lot of medications that I couldn't tolerate. So I couldn't really do anything about them. I had just graduated at this point, you know, once I had started seeing doctors, I had just graduated from law school taken the bar exam and I was a corporate associate at a big firm. So I'm sure you've heard what that's like. I, you know, I was working very long hours at a a brand new, you know, I was a brand new lawyer and I had these chronic migraines on top of that, that I didn't understand and couldn't treat. So it was pretty much a nightmare. (laughs) And, you know, I also had $200,000 of law school loans from, um, yeah, from Berkeley Law. And I really didn't have any money or savings at that point. So I just didn't think I had any option other than to kind of power through, keep working. Like if I had to miss a little bit of work, stay up later to finish the work. Yeah, find ways to make it up. Mm -hmm. Yes. So my symptoms kind of, I just sort of got used to working with these symptoms and having these symptoms. They waxed and waned over the years. They improved when I made some dietary changes. And I started working with like an integrative provider and and started a very regular meditation practice, but they were always there in the background. And then these new symptoms would come. So by gosh, not to give you guys the full history, but by 2019, the migraines were not as frequent, but I was having digestive pain that was making it almost impossible to eat because it would hurt so much whenever I would eat. And I started having these very weird allergic reactions to almost everything that I, you know, a supplement, a medication, you know, environmental toxins, smoke in the air, I would get my blood pressure would drop and I would pass out. Wow. Um, yeah, it was very, very scary. It happened in a coffee shop. Like 
I came to, and there were a bunch of people surrounding me and the owner of the coffee shop was like, we need to call an ambulance. And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. This happens to me all the time. Don't even worry about it. I'm totally (laughs) fine. Uh, this is a liability. Like don't come in here again. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, um, and then at the same time at work, at this point I had left the big firm and I was doing employment law for workers. And so I was representing clients part, you know, a, a small part of my work was representing clients that had health issues. So people who had taken FMLA leave and maybe their companies had demoted them or sort of phased them out. Um, and also some people whose employers refused reasonable accommodations um, or, you know, discriminated against them for having a disability. So it was a really interesting overlap between my personal and professional life. And then, you know, my symptoms just got worse and worse. <laughs> the, you know, the new, the allergic reaction started happening more and more. And it was basically a full-time job trying to deal with seeing so many different specialists, getting all this testing done. A lot of it was more specialized testing, trying to locate certain supplements, going, I had to go to the ER a lot when I had these reactions. I was trying out all these different ways of eating. And if I had to miss a day of work because of a reaction, I'd become so anxious because I, you know, by this time I was like a fourth year attorney. I was running a lot of things on my own and I'd have to cancel all my client meetings and I had a deadline that week. It was like, well, I guess I'm either not going to meet the deadline or I'm going to have to stay up all night tomorrow night. So I don't even want to take today off. So the anxiety and the fear created this spiral and it became like a negative feedback loop. I really think that 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 anxiety and fear just worsened my symptoms until they just continued to get worse and worse and worse. And I just realized like, this is never going to get better. You know, like I had been going through this for years and it got to the point where I was barely functional. My social life suffered and I I was just miserable. I still, at this point, don't have a lot of money. I've paid off most of my loans, but not all of them. And that was like living very frugally, but I just, I, I felt like I had no choice, but to quit my job because I could not maintain this pace. And I knew my health was never going to improve if I continued to work at this pace. So I, uh, I was like, I'm going to do it. Okay. It's going to be fine. I'll like live with my parents for a while and you know, I'm going to get better. And, but I was terrified. I was like, I, how am I going to make this work financially? And I walk into my boss's office and I just said, you know, I have been trying to make this work. I do love the work we do here, but as you know, my health is deteriorated. Like I cannot keep up with the workload here and I need to prioritize my health. And I just don't think this is working for me anymore. And my boss goes, Julia, I totally get it. And I completely agree that you just need to take medical leave. And yes, like you'll, you'll be financially supported and you'll just take, you know, two or three months off and then, and then we'll figure everything out from there. And I was like, Oh yes. Like that's totally what I was going to ask for medical leave. Obviously. (laughs) Yes. Okay. (laughs) So that was, that was like, and that was like the, the turning point of my life truly. Mm -hmm. So, so you took three months off under, was it the California family rights act or FMLA? You're the lawyer here. I'll let you talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) No, all all of the above. So there's um, those, you're entitled if you live in California to leave under both the California family rights act and the federal FMLA, which is the family and medical leave act. So I took, those leaves run concurrently. So really it's like, you're only entitled to to one, but if there's some kind of violation of your rights, you can sue under both laws. So yeah, I took three months off and I didn't realize also that California has an amazing 
state disability plan where you can apply for disability insurance while you take unpaid leave because the leave that is offered by the FMLA and CIFRA is unpaid. So because of my, my benefits were not taxed and most people's benefits under California state disability are not taxable. So even though you're making 60 to 70% of your income up to a certain cap, um, if it's not taxed, like I did not suffer any financial hit. I basically made my full income. And I just remember, like, I didn't know about the ins and outs of this. So I was surprised, like I was learning as I was going. And I remember getting these checks in the mail from the state and just like bursting into tears. I just felt so supported, so cared for. I, I really had thought I was like, I was going to be just living with my parents with no money and like struggling to get by. And so taking these three months to care for myself just felt like such a privilege after spending four years just hustling so hard, despite feeling like complete shit. And, you know, honestly, I think a lot of us have been hustling our whole adult lives. So I, I think it was really the first real break I had ever gotten. And I just used the time to prioritize my health. I got a bunch of testing done. I started some new medications without being worried about, you know, having a bad reaction and then having to spend time in the ER. I was able to find doctors more intentionally who I felt like really cared about me and my healing rather than just seeing whoever was available. I learned, you know, really how to cook a lot of healthy meals that made me feel really good. I got a consistent sleep schedule. I went to several meditation retreats and I started a program to retrain my nervous system. And I, I just never had time to do any of this or think about any of this. So it just, it just changed my life. I wasn't able to reverse the condition in three months, but I started getting the answers I needed about what my condition even was, what was causing it and how to take care of myself and help my nervous system deal with all of the stress that had accumulated over the last few years of working mm-hmm. so hard with the chronic illness. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, that's an incredible story. And thank you for sharing that with us because I think you're absolutely right that a lot of people hustle, 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 and they think the only option is to speed speed up the treadmill, right? There, There is no other option. So I think we forget about this a lot or we think it's only for like, people who were injured on the job or something related to that. So, or like you're hospitalized, something very serious, you have cancer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only time I've taken quote unquote disability was when I was on maternity leave. And that's because the state of California doesn't give you maternity leave. They call it disability, which is this own topic and conversation, obviously. But that seemed like an obvious thing to me where, you know, of course you have to take time off. So can we talk a little bit more? I mean, people who are listening to this might be thinking, I identify with what you're saying. So what are, like, I guess (laughs) this is a big loaded question, but how do people request medical leave? Do you have to have your boss recommend it to you? Do you have to get your doctor to give you like some sort of prescription? Like how does it work? If someone identifies with this and they're saying, yeah, I'm having anxiety attacks, I'm having this or that or whatever. I mean, I guess you were just saying it doesn't have to be, um, you know, you're at the hospital. So that is where the line gets blurred for me is, when do you know it's time to actually take disability and medical leave? Okay. So with respect to like, when is it? Okay. So I heard two questions. One was like, how do you do it? How do you, how do you go on medical leave? And then also how do you know when it's time to take it? So I think maybe I'll start with the the question about when is it time to take it? Um, And I think the answer is really like follow your intuition about like when it's, when you're like, I'm, I can't do anymore because I mean, this 
so long answer, but you know, the, the federal law here is the FMLA, the Family and Medical Leave Act. And so that's the minimum protection that's available to people in the United States. A lot of states have better laws. So like the California Family Rights Act is even better for employees, but at the very least, you're entitled to the FMLA. And basically there's a lot of requirements to be entitled to FMLA leave. The first thing is that you do have to have a qualifying condition. And here we're talking about health issues, right? So what the the FMLA requires is that you have a serious health condition. That's all it says. And a lot of people think that that means cancer, a heart attack, you know, a back surgery, something that, that is widely recognized as extremely serious, but actually, you know, the definition of serious health condition is just an illness, injury, or physical or mental condition that involves either inpatient care or continuing treatment by a healthcare provider. That's broad. Mm-hmm. That's broad. This is, a, and this is determined on a case-by-case basis. It can include things like anxiety and depression, like who didn't have anxiety or depression in the last two years, right? Yeah. Autoimmune, like autoimmune conditions, migraines, Lyme disease, digestive issues, anything that interferes with your ability to work. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to be hospitalized. You don't have to have cancer. So it, yeah, it's broader. So basically mm-hmm. if you're, if you're having a physical or mental condition, that's made it very challenging for you to work and you need time off, as long as your doctor certifies that your condition meets these requirements, your company should, I mean, if they're smart, they should grant your request for leave. And if they don't, that's when you might want to talk to a lawyer. Are all employees entitled to FMLA leave or disability leave of some sort? No. And I'm so glad you asked that because that this is the biggest buzzkill about the FMLA is that it's, it's a lot broader again than like the California law. Um, so it only applies to people who work for public agencies or private companies that employ 50 or more employees within a 75 mile radius. So that excludes a lot of people. Um, Mm -hmm. It applies to full and part-time employees. So not independent contractors. There's a lot of benefits of being an employee over an independent contractor when it comes to your legal protections. So that's one thing you want to think about. Yeah. Something to think about. Mm -hmm. It is. And then it applies to people who have worked at least 12 months for their employer for at least 1,250 hours. So you have to meet those minimum requirements or the FMLA does not apply to you. And again, in California, CIFRA, the law was changed this year to apply to companies with five or more employees in the U.S. So that's a huge difference from the federal law that only applies to companies with 50 or more. So FMLA is a federal law versus, uh, would you say CIFRA uh, is like the California law? Correct. Okay, so everybody who's thinking about this needs to keep in mind that their state has its own laws versus FMLA, which is the federal law. Correct. And so FMLA is the minimum, like anyone working in this country, if they work for, if they meet those requirements where they work for a company with 50 or more people, they're an employee, not an independent contractor, and they've worked at least 12 months for that minimum number of hours, then they're entitled to that, to FMLA leave. But there are, there are other laws in other states that may be even better, such as in California, where, you know, again, if you're working here and you work for a company that only has 10 people, like a new startup, you are still protected, even though you wouldn't be in another state that didn't have a better law than the FMLA. Does so that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You you want to check both. Like at, at a minimum, you have FMLA, but you might have something better depending on where you live in your state. So you want to look at both of them. 
I want to take a quick break and talk about our sponsor, BetterHelp. As we mentioned on this podcast, mental health concerns are valid health concerns, and they should be treated just as seriously as any other health matter. One way to address mental health conditions is professional counseling, and BetterHelp makes it easier to get professional counseling from a licensed therapist. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's super easy to connect to your counselor in a safe and private online environment. It's so convenient. Plus, you can now get help on your own time and at your own pace and schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. BetterHelp has licensed professional counselors with varying specialties ranging from depression, stress and anxiety, to self-esteem, sleeping, trauma, and much more. Anything you share is confidential. And if you're not happy with your counselor for any reason, you can request a new one at any time with no additional charge. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. Send a message to your counselor anytime. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, all without ever having to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. BetterHelp includes 3,000 U.S. licensed therapists across all 50 states who are available worldwide through text, chat, phone, and video. Start communicating in under 24 hours. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option. The Career Contessa podcast listeners get 10% off your first month with the discount code FEMALS, F-E-M-A-I-L-S. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash females. Remember that's spelled F-E-M-A-I-L-S. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash females, F-E-M-A-I-L-S to get 10% off your first month. Okay. So before we get into actually how to request medical leave, can you briefly just give us like high level what you are entitled to with medical leave? And maybe let's stick to FMLA just because that's obviously the one that's going to apply to everyone who's listening. And then I just want to remind everyone, make sure you are also going to look into what your state offers. So what, what are you entitled to with medical leave? Yeah, absolutely. So the FMLA allows employees who are covered to just take up to three months or 12 weeks of unpaid job-protected leave in a one-year period. So job-protected just means the company can't take any negative action against you for taking the leave. They can't demote you. They can't fire you. They can't give you a negative performance valuation. They have to bring you back, you know, and treat you the same way they were treating you before. And the leave does include benefit protection. This is super important because like for me, if I had lost health insurance while I was out, I would have been screwed. Mm -hmm. And so your health insurance will remain intact as if you're still working. Does Um, FMLA pay you your full salary? So no. So it's unpaid. Oh, okay. Um, Okay. So FMLA is unpaid, but you're guaranteed your job back and you get to keep your benefits. Precisely. Precisely. And I think the biggest drawback, of course, is that it's an unpaid leave. And so I think many people just assume they can't afford it. And that's definitely what I assumed. I never even contemplated taking leave because I was like, well, I have loan payments every month. Like how, how could I take three months without getting paid? Mm -hmm. But this is where you look into it. You know, there's other laws that kind of come in uh, to be a buffer here. So first of all, many, many companies offer private disability plans. So the firm I was working at actually did have a private plan that would offer short-term disability benefits to people and long-term. So 
check with your HR department. And this is a good thing to also think about when you're joining a company, like ask them if they have a disability plan, because if you're in a state, so then, well, and then some states have their own disability insurance, California, if you haven't noticed yet, California is very pro worker. So we have great benefits here. So they have a very generous uh, state disability insurance. And there's uh, four other states and Washington DC that also offer public disability insurance. So um, either, you know, you want to be in a state that offers that, or hopefully you're working for a company that if your state doesn't offer disability benefits, at least the company can offer those to you. Mm -hmm. And so usually it'll provide like 60 to 70% of your wages up to a certain income. And at least in California, when you apply for public disability benefits, those benefits in most situations, they're not taxable. So it ends up really being close to what you'd be making. And you're, you're allowed to use your vacation days or your PTO to make up the difference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I had to take, I took California disability for my maternity leave. So I got 60 to 70%. I don't remember the exact amount of my salary. And it was like a hundred percent of the money. There was no taxes taken out. So, I mean, you will have exactly. to pay taxes on the income that you make that year. So I just want to make sure it's clear to people. It's like, it's like I made $10 and they gave me the whole $10. Whereas like normally when you make $10 in a state, they give you less than that because it's called taxes. So just to make sure everyone understands what that means, just remember, you still have to pay your taxes at the end of the year. <laughs> oh, um, of course, of course, of course. Yeah. It's just what's so great is unlike your income, those benefits often are not, you don't have to pay taxes Exactly, exactly. Okay, so let's get into how do you request medical leave? And I, I, I want like the play-by-play because people who are listening to this, they're also probably wondering, do I have to hire someone like Julia to, to help me do this? Like, so why don't you just give us the whole spiel on how do you request medical leave? And I'll save my questions so I don't, uh, interrupt that. <laughs> oh, well, you, you can, you can cut in whenever you no, want. No, I want the listeners to get your <laughs> advice without me interrupting. So yeah, tell us, how do we do this? Lovely. Well, so no, you do not have to hire someone like me. Gosh, that would be really annoying. You heard how I requested leave. I basically tried to quit my job and my boss was like, sounds like you need medical leave. So it doesn't have to be super formal, but what I would do is to be thorough I would take a look at any company policies that talk about requesting leave. So, you know, if you have an employee handbook sitting around your office gathering dust, take a look at it and see if there's any specific policies that the handbook mentions. Under the FMLA, all you need to do is give your employer notice that you'll need time off for a health issue and estimate how much time. You can speak with anyone who represents your employer. So that could be your boss or you could go directly to HR. And it's best practice to give 30 days notice. But, you know, of course, many conditions are unpredictable. So just give as much notice as you can. I think my medical leave started like a week or two after I requested it because my symptoms were getting so much worse. Um, And there's no legal requirement that you mention the FMLA or use any magic words. But of course, because I'm a lawyer, I would recommend you create a paper trail, cover your bases, put the request in writing and say something like this. And this is if you have a chronic health issue. I have a chronic health issue and due to a recent flare-up of symptoms, I will need to take FMLA leave starting next month for at least six weeks. I'll update you during my leave if I'll need more time. Thank you so much for your understanding and support during this time. Something like that. Um, And you can send that to HR. You can send that to your boss. Um, your, Your employer does have to respond to your request within five business days. 
And they can require you to submit a certification form from your healthcare provider, which most jobs do. I've had to do that for both jobs. So really the most important thing for requesting FMLA leave is having your doctor's support and having a good relationship with your doctor. So this is something you should just build up. If you have a health issue, find providers that you really trust and who take you seriously and who believe that your condition matters and that it's, you know, if it is debilitating, that it's debilitating because there are plenty of doctors who will say, oh, migraines, that's like a woman's issue. And women just get them because of their hormones and it's not a big deal. And then there are many specialists who are like, oh my God, no, migraines are absolutely debilitating. And yes, you need to take time off for them sometimes. So um, yeah, I mean, what your doctor puts on the, the certification form is basically going to determine whether or not your employer grants your request. So I'm going to, I was thinking in the show notes of putting a, a sample certification form. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's do that. So that's, that's from the department of labor. And that would just give you an example of what your company might require from your doctor. Okay. So you guys heard it from Julia. It's not that challenging, but there is a better way of doing it to make sure that you are kind of covering your butt and you're doing things kind of by the book. And I think your template is perfect. Um, And I think it's always good to sort of read up on what your company's policies are, because as Julia mentioned, there are a couple different directions you can go. I know when I, and just to kind of mention something about your doctor, when I had to apply for disability for maternity leave. You do. You have to have your doctor submit forms and you have to work closely with them. And it's like through these online systems and their state programs and federal programs. And you guys know what it's like to go through those online programs. Like you need a doctor who's not going to ignore you. So I would say, you know, start having some conversations maybe prior to having talking to your boss too. So you don't like do this thing where you tell your boss you're doing this and then your doctor is like not supportive, you know, like have your ducks in a row a little bit with that. 100%. I just want to, can I just add? Yeah. That's so like, I always talk to my doctors before and I say like, they know usually because I'm seeing them like every other week and I'm like, I'm getting worse. I'm miserable. Help. So it's usually not a big surprise to them that I'm, I say like, once one of my doctors actually said, Julia, you should take time off work and I'll, I'm happy to submit for you. And another doctor, I had to say, look, I am having, I'm struggling. I, my brain's not working. I can't look at my computer screen. I can't do my job. You know, would you support me taking time off? And he said, of course. So I think it's a good practice to, to go through the form and fill out what you think makes sense for your condition and then make an appointment with your doctor and talk it through with him or her so that they, because a lot of times doctors are so busy, they don't know exactly what to write because they're not lawyers. They don't know what the legal standard is. So definitely, I think like go, go through it with your doctor, think of, write out what you think that they should put and then talk to them and, and see if they agree. And, and obviously they, they'll do the form themselves, but just help make it easier for them yeah. in whatever way you can. Agreed. Okay. So we only have about five more minutes and we did have two audience questions come through. So if, if we can, let's start with one and we'll see how far we get with that. Um, so their question was, what about mental health concerns due to work? What can I do? So this is, I think my understanding of this is that you, your work is what's causing your mental health concerns. Yeah. So that is, that's a, it's a complicated question because if you have an injury that is directly caused by your job and you cannot work because of it, then you can apply for workers' compensation. I am not a workers' compensation lawyer. I've never done workers' compensation cases. It's a specific field of law. 
but it, it is a system of insurance coverage for workers who are injured or become ill on the job. And I think it could probably apply to stress that's directly related to something you've experienced at work, but it would have to be a very high bar. Like I imagine it would have to be like a sexual or physical assault or something, but Regardless, what I can tell you is that if you're experiencing mental health issues that are interfering with your work, regardless of whether they were caused by your job, and you don't want to have to prove that they were directly caused by your job because that's a lot to prove, you can always look to employment laws for protections. And depending on the severity, you can request FMLA leave and you can apply for disability benefits while you're out so that you're not taking a hit, you know, based on everything you and I just discussed. Because mental health conditions, if they're debilitating enough to make it hard for you to do your job, they're a serious health condition and they should be covered. So that would just give you some time to slow down, you know, talk to your providers, try some new things out. And maybe when you have the time off, you decide that you need a new job that won't be triggering your mental health issues. And then you have some time to look for a new job. And it just, it, it, It'll allow you to kind of pump the brakes and give you some time to really figure things out, you know, listen to your intuition and and start healing and hopefully not have any financial burdens if you're able to apply for disability either through your job or through your state. Is it illegal at all to be be getting disability benefits under FMLA? So you're taking time off. Is it illegal at all if you use that time to find a new job? Like if, let's say you tell your employer, I'm going to be off for six weeks and then you end up getting a new job offer because part of what was happening is your job was too stressful. Is that illegal at all? Or that caused an issue? Okay. So it's definitely awkward, um, but (laughs) it's not illegal. And actually that's, that's what happened to me when I took that time. I didn't really intend to get another job. I just knew like, this is not, this situation is not working and I need to heal. But I was approached by someone who had a job from that sounded really great. And I ended up not going back at the end of my leave. And, and that happens a lot because it's common that when you're working a high stress job and you have health issues, you need to find something that is not going to be so triggering to your health. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So last question. And then you guys, uh, we have a really, really awesome surprise for you. So, um, but let's get through this (laughs) very intense next question before I announce that. So the audience question was, how much should an employee disclose to their supervisor? Okay. Yes. Love this one. So there's no real requirement under the law that you're required to disclose anything to your supervisor. So if your company has an HR department or an HR rep, you can go straight to them. And the law only requires that you disclose that you need time off due to a serious health condition and tell them how much time you think you'll need. So they will probably ask you, like I said, to submit some kind of certification that's, that comes from your doctor. And um, you'll see in the sample form that we've included in the show notes that they may ask for the diagnosis if it's necessary to support their determination, but they also may not. And under California law, for example, they're not allowed to ask for this. And so other states may have similar laws. So it's really less of a legal issue and more of an issue of, you know, how, what feels right given the situation. Because obviously, you know, you want to do this in a way that you want to be extremely respectful of your supervisors and of your colleagues who are going to have to pick up your workload. Mm -hmm. I like what you said earlier about like, there's legal stuff and then there's like awkward things like something might not be uh, illegal, but it can be awkward, which is sort of what this could be too. Well, exactly. And that's half of like what I, you know, what we do when we counsel clients is like, 
yes, there's the legal concerns, but there's also just best practices and things that are good for you. And like bringing a lawsuit, maybe you have a great legal claim, but maybe that's not good for your mental health. So that's a big consideration, right? So we, you know, we counsel on all this stuff. So, so yeah, I mean, there are people in my office who went on medical leave who didn't say anything to my boss. They just went directly to HR. They got the leave approved by HR. And then a week before going out, they told my boss, I'm going out for two months. And that I think is, is one way to do it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> yeah, and like, and it, it it makes sense. You know, it it depends very much on the yeah. relationship you have with your supervisor and what your I, health condition is. You know, like maybe you don't have a relationship with your boss that would make you want to talk about it. Also, exactly. And and in some situations, that makes sense. Just keeping your distance, not getting them too involved. If you have a supervisor who's like critical or thinks you're faking it or isn't you know empathetic, maybe you don't you don't want to bother sharing anything with them because you don't want to have them say, well, that's stupid. Or I don't think, I don't think your condition is serious or something like that. So I really like and trust my supervisor. We've established a close relationship. So I've shared with them at my current job, what's going on with my health. Um, I had to request a brief medical leave earlier this year. And I told my supervisor what was going on with me. I've shared my, my diagnosis. And I just told her, you know, I'm, I'm going to probably need to take some time off. And I did that before I went to HR. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she, she really appreciated that given our relationship. And she just said, you know, I really appreciate how communicative you've been. And now I have a lot of lead time to plan for this. And, you know, and I also was very helpful in like figuring out who would be covering my cases. And I tried to be really collaborative to make sure I didn't leave with a lot of work sort of dangling. Yeah. So you know, there's just a way to do it where you're, you're being considerate and conscious of, of how your leave is going to impact other people. Okay. So last question that just came to mind. So when you're interviewing for a new job, are they allowed to ask you if you've ever taken medical leave or do you need to disclose that at all? Cause now I'm thinking, what about an employer who's like, well, I don't want to hire people who like go out on medical leave every once in a while. You, so that is a different law, but uh, no, <laughs> that would be under the ADA. You're you our can't. everything lawyer. <laughs> I'm, I'm, well, I deal with all, so happy to help. but that's why it's so hard to be brief with these questions because it's like under this law, yeah. it's it. but under the ADA, which is the Americans with Disabilities Act, an employer can't refuse to hire you because you have a disability. And so a lot of health issues do fall under the category or do meet the requirements under the law of a disability. So an employer would be on very thin ice if they're asking you questions about, oh, like, so you do you have a medical condition? How frequently do you go out on medical leave? Because it's essentially implying that they're trying to determine whether or not you're, you're in the class of people that's disabled. And then if they don't hire you, you have a case for disability discrimination. So yeah. I think most most bigger employers would know not to ask a question like that. But if a smaller company does ask you that, yikes, not good. Yeah, it's also just like this blaring red flag of like, you probably don't want to work at that place anyways. So, you know. 100%. I mean, exactly. Yes, like aside from just the legalities, you want to work at a company that, you know, is going to support you and be the right fit for you. And if, if they don't want someone who's going to have to take medical leave sometimes, then yeah, maybe you don't want to work there because it's not the right fit. I just want to go back to, I feel like the theme here is like, there's legal and then there's awkward. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. the, the, the yeah. line can be thin sometimes. <laughs> okay. So I want to, so you guys, just a quick recap on how to request medical leave. One, 
anybody can request, well, not anybody. We talked about who can request medical leave, but you don't have to you know, have cancer, have had the heart attack, had this major thing, as Julia mentioned. And also really important, understand FMLA and also look into what your company offers and what your state offers. So I just want to offer that as a, as a recap. Okay. So now our big giveaway that we've been teasing is that Julia is offering one lucky winner, a 60 minute coaching call with her. And to enter, you have to rate the podcast and you have to leave a review on Apple podcast with one thing that you learned from this episode. So that's all you have to do to enter in order to win this free coaching call. Um, and don't forget to leave either your Instagram handle or your email address in the review so that we can reach out to you if you win. And you have to enter by Tuesday, November 30th at 5 p.m. Pacific standard time. So Julia, share a little bit more about your coaching calls and what you can help with. So if someone's thinking, hey, I want this 60 minute free phone call with you, uh, what am I going to get out of it? Absolutely. And it's good to clarify because this is not a legal consultation. I cannot be your lawyer. I have a, a job where I have I work at a union. I can only work with the members of the union. So it'll be a coaching call related to my new project, Legally Holistic, which is basically I'm offering a roadmap to empower people with health issues, um, starting with how to deal with work when you've got health issues. So unlike a traditional health coach, I integrate my knowledge of employment laws into my coaching to help you know people identify how you can navigate your health issues at work. Um, and also I know a lot about every other aspect of health, because I've learned so much about, you know, healthy, delicious cooking, how to navigate the medical system, how to connect with the right, you know, integrative providers, mindfulness practices, all, all of these kinds of things, how to find the right nervous system supports for you and, and how to build up your community of supportive people. These, I think are all the key pillars of health that have, you know, transformed my life. So I can focus on whatever the person is most interested in. And if that's just navigating workplace issues, I'm happy to help with that. But I do just, just a caveat, it will not be legal advice and I will not be establishing an attorney-client relationship. Yeah. Think of this as like a holistic health coaching call, right? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So just to remind you all, Julia is giving this away. All you have to do to enter to win is rate the podcast and leave a review and just share one thing that you learned from this episode. And there's probably tons of things you learned, but you only have to do one. And then make sure you leave either your Instagram handle or your email address in the review so that we can reach out to the winner. And you've got until November 30th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time to enter. Julia, thank you so much for joining us today um, to really school us literally on everything related <laughs> to how to take medical leave. Um, well, I wasn't schooling you. You know a lot. But honestly, I wish I had talked to you before I did this because I felt like I was getting a PhD when I was trying to like, and I and I had so much anxiety about how to do it and how to do it right. And you can't do it too far in advance. And it was really challenging. And then what's really annoying is uh, because I had a C-section, I got eight weeks of disability and then you get to go on uh, pay, like paid family leave or something. I forget what the difference is, but you can't miss applying for that. So here you are with this brand new baby recovering and you've got this like state deadline you're trying to meet. So, you know, I wish I had spoken to you just because I feel like I only know what I'm talking about because I'm basically combining <laughs> four months of reading and anxiety plus what you're saying. I'm like, okay, this is ringing a bell, but it doesn't have to be like that, you guys. And it's it's awesome that you you came on the show today to to talk about this because I do think, you know, 
we might not have federal maternity or paternity leave, uh, parental leave, I should say, in this country. And so this is what you have to know about in order if you if you're like me and you're self-employed. So which is like a whole other episode of what you do when you're self-employed and you know, you do something crazy like have a baby, <laughs> you know. Um, so Julia, thank you so much for joining us today. We're gonna put a, a lot of links in the show notes, including everything the legal legally holistic. And then you what are some of the other ones that you wanted to share in the show notes so people know what they are? So yes, so um I've included some like helpful workers' rights fact sheets for California employees. These are from an organization called Legal Aid at Work that I used to, well, that I still do volunteer with. They have just like amazing know your rights information because their goal is for people to be empowered at work and to know what they're entitled to and to not stress like, you know, like you had to stress when, when they really need help. So there's a bunch of fact sheets related to your rights in the workplace. I included the FMLA certification form from the Department of Labor, um, the FMLA notice requirements from the Department of Labor. And then if you do need a lawyer, if you're having like an issue where you're, you're being denied medical leave or you took a couple medical leaves and you're being pushed out or retaliated against or any other issue, you're not getting a reasonable accommodation, you should reach out to an employment lawyer just to talk. Um, and I can refer you to two of my old colleagues, Menica Fernando and Zoe DeGear. They both practice in California, but Menica can refer you to other lawyers at her firm that also work in DC and New York. So, and she could probably find a referral for anywhere in the country, but they're two brilliant lawyers. You know, I've worked closely with them and I know at least Zoe's firm offers a free consultation. So you could, you know, they can actually give you legal advice. Unlike me. Amazing. So you you guys, the show notes is kind of a goldmine for this episode. Make sure you save them, go back to them often. Um, And Julia, thank you so much again. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Career Contessa podcast. And as a thank you to our listeners, Julia is offering one lucky winner a 60-minute coaching call with her. To enter, rate our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts with one thing that you learned from this episode. And don't forget to enter your Instagram handle or your email address in the review so that we can reach out to you if you win. You must enter your review by Tuesday, November 30th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. This will be a wellness coaching call with Julia. She will not be providing personalized legal advice or establishing an attorney-client relationship with the person on the call. And if you want to learn more about Julia and her work, check out the show notes for those links, as well as more links to helpful resources like uh, helpful workers' rights, fact sheets of California, some um, referrals to other lawyers as well.